Welcome to Trail and Error, a look at the trail running world from the podium to the pack with your hosts Jay Grady and Tristan Stevenson. We decided to start our own trail running podcast to talk to the people we find interesting in the trail and ultra running world, to find out their highs and lows, their momentous successes and their abject failures, and to perhaps give us all a little bit of inspiration to take on some adventures and challenges of our own. We'll be speaking to runners and athletes, race directors and coaches, sports nutritionists and doctors to get the best out of our own running and hopefully yours too. We hope you enjoy the podcast and if you do, please hit like and subscribe via all the normal podcast feeds. But for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Trail and Error. Um, this week, uh, you're stuck with just me again. Well, not just me, me and Shane Oley from Array Events. Um, Shane, welcome to the podcast again. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, Shane, you're the, the uh, what's your official title now? Because you're mm. more than race director. So actually, my job title's about to change. So, I did have the feeling that that was Yeah, um, I mean, I guess day-to-day, I'm the owner of the business. Founder. So I'm founder, chief executive, that's what's <laughs> on my email footer. Um, when we are operational delivering events for, since the start, I've been the race director. Mm. But in reality, if you look at the wider world of events, the race director is the person responsible for the course. Um, and really what I do at the events is I'm the event director, the person in overall The charge. umbrella of it all, yeah. Yeah, so my job title's changing next year. Um, and we've got uh, a new team. We've got quite a few new staff at the moment. Oh, okay. And we've got a new guy called uh, Darren, Daz, who will be taking on that responsibility for the management of the course as our race director. And is that for all the races then? All the races. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's I guess it's a slight um, maturing of our business roles and responsibilities. Well, you get to be more strategic then, I guess, in, in thinking and delivery. <laughs> That's the idea. That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> that is the plan. Uh, well, that's good though. That, that, like you said, that's growth, isn't it? As it expands. It's yeah. It, hopefully, it's the right step. I think the the potential pitfall is the trail running community see the race director as the figurehead mm. and in reality um that's not necessarily the right personnel organogram to describe what's going on so we're taking the step i'm still going to be at the event so we'll still be there i will still be responsible it's my ethos and culture and sense of adventure that is driving what yeah. we do but actually the responsibility to deliver certain elements of the event will be very much demarcated to Daz. But that's the thing. So we are now just over, is it three months since Dragon's Back finished? Yeah, three okay. months. Okay, so the, the scars are healing um, <laughs> for me. Um, it was noticeable. That's the first event of yours that I've done. So one thing, I, I would say the thing that that i noticed obviously the weather became extreme and and that changed the event somewhat um i it was noticeable how you weren't you exuded it's going to sound like i'm blowing smoke at your back but you, you, it was it felt as a runner it felt calm it didn't feel like we were I'm sure we've all seen those cases where somebody uh, in a position of control over something and things aren't going the right way. They almost feel like uh, to show the pressure to so that people understand what, what pressure they're under. They, they externally represent that. They're pulling the hair out or they're, they're shouting into a walkie talkie or something cliched like that. But I never got that on the race. And I guess that comes through building a strong team underneath you that you can delegate to and can do their jobs so that you can walk around from that position of overall view and not appear stressed. I'm sure lots of things were going on. I'm sure there was stress happening, but we never felt it as runners. We, we got to blissfully carry on running. <laughs> That's good to hear. That's how it should be. Mm. I think, I think it's a certain, there's a, a number of factors that play into that. First of all, absolutely, the team around you is critical. Um, I always have a little rule of thumb when I employ anybody is that they must be able to do a better job than me mm-hmm. at whatever job I'm recruiting them for. And it doesn't mean on that day, but they've got to have the potential to do yeah. that. And if they don't have that potential, we won't give them a job. Um, so build a really good team around you. Um, trust people to get on with the job. Be relaxed about whether it's not done exactly as you would like. 
as long as it's getting done. So no micromanagement. No micromanagement. You think about the mission. Is the mission being completed? Is Mm. it safe? Yes, yes. In which case, let them crack on. It takes a little bit of, um, I guess, confidence to step back and let things run on their own. Uh, I do, as a personality, I tend not to uh, show stress. (laughs) I'm quite... I'm quite good at being (laughs) calm and relaxed. That is one of my skills. Um, It's about having good systems around you. Um, Yeah, good good team. And I mean, let's think about what was going on in the background. So um, day one of Dragon's Back is always a bit of a shakeout day. You know, the crew are fresh. Yeah. Um, We don't really know how the participant cohort will cope with the event. We always have our highest amount of dropouts on that day. Yeah. Um, there's lots of new moving parts for everybody. Um, on the first day, we dealt with, it was very hot, of course, mm-hmm. um, six course-related collapses or heat-related collapses. With a six. I saw six three, personally. So six. that's all happening, and our team, uh, our, our response team, are managing that on the hill. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's lots going on, as well as just cooking chips and building tents, <laughs> uh, making sure we've got water and power yeah. and the internet. The fundamentals. The fundamentals. And I think... It's always if you see me wandering around chatting to people, things are going well. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I like to be able to do. And if I'm not not visible, that probably means I'm in that race control tent, managing something. Something's been dealt with. Yeah, something being dealt with. Um, and generally, I because we've got a good team, I get to wander around the overnight camps, chat to the runners and the team. Pretty much equally split between chatting to our crew and talking to the runners. And it's an absolute pleasure. It is one of my most favourite bits. Of you look like you're enjoying it, you know. And yeah. that, and that, well, that just like I said, that exudes that kind of confidence and calm. And then it has that calming effect. It's um, no, it worked really well. It was, um, I, I, you know, I, I got the luxury of having more time in camp than I expected to. So I got to observe things, and because I was on the hatchling. I felt like the pressure was off so I could mm. enjoy it. But yeah, you, you notice more things when you're obviously more copus mentis and less exhausted. And, and I got time to notice the race event and, and, and yeah, very much want to be part of the crew for, for Dragons Back 2024. So I'll, I'll be there, hopefully. Well, there's, there's, um, I must say there's this wonderful circular economy, I call it, where we have people who will race one year or take part one year. You don't need to be there to race. They'll volunteer the next year mm. and then you get credit. Yeah, um, and then they come back and race, and it, it's a relatively small number. It's you know twenty or thirty people, but they're either racing or crewing every year. Yeah, and it's brilliant because they bring so much experience with them, and they understand our events. And whilst we're giving away lots of free entries, and that's how it is, I'm totally delighted of, that we're doing that. And they help ethos and culture. They help live and breathe it for us. Yeah, well, you could see it. There were certain people, um, little Dave. Yeah, scared the crap out of me, um, <laughs> but so passionate about it, just yeah. so passionate. Um, really uh, uh, um, motivating people to get out and, and do their best. He was he was a standout one, and Kaz as well. Yeah, and Sai, Sai, yeah, yeah, Kaz yeah. And Cy on, on the, the, on the water, Oh, yeah. they were just what a, what a joy to see them every day. They're, I mean, they are wonderful people, and, and so much energy and love for the event. Oh, brilliant. Um, and just what fancy dress are you wearing today, guys? That would be the kind of thing. <laughs> Pink tutus or dragon outfits or whatever it was. And then the people in the coffee tent every morning, I'm going to chat with them. And then yeah. the people in the canteen, you get to know them and they get to know what you like. And it was such a, a lovely village environment, a little moving village. Yeah. Um, I love those race bubbles, but it was a good one. And we were just chatting before we were recording about other stuff that I've done. And it was, it was a really, in my opinion, it was a really good bubble. Great. Um, so, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, and it's done well. So that, that's the main thing is that, you know, we, did, we didn't notice the... Uh, we knew there were dramas going on in the background, obviously, but we never noticed them. Well, that's really lovely to hear. And it is, you know, that... That's not all down to me. That is a team effort. And, and I am entirely grateful and appreciative of the the team the professional staff the freelancers my employees the volunteers it all comes together everyone pulled together yeah Yeah. oh it was good it was a good team event um i'm doing another one of your races yeah (laughs) (laughs) so four five months from now roughly Mm. five months tomorrow uh i'll be starting sorry if that's (laughs) a heart attack moment no that's Um, good (laughs) i'll be starting uh cape rathalter in Mm. scotland 
So Kate Rath's, um, it, I, I, it's hard to have a favourite, but I think Kate Rath probably has to be. Really? It, it's just that, that sense of journey through the Scottish Highlands is off the scale. And that's and because of the isolation of it all, or...? It's, a, it's, a cult, it's many factors. So it is isolated, it's remote, mm. it's you know, the most um, wilderness area we have in the UK. And the participants and crew have this amazing experience of not having phone reception for long periods of time, sometimes yeah. one day into the next. Um, the scenery, just the further you go north, just gets better yeah. and better and better. There's so few places, well, these are the only places in the UK where you can be 10 miles from the nearest road. Mm-hmm. And as a participant, the onus is really on you to get on with it. There's no, like, put my hand up and going to stop now. It's like, you need to... Got to self-extract. Got to self-extract, yeah. yeah. Um, it's walking or helicopter. There's no two, There's no middle ground here. <laughs> um, it's, and because it's a... It's an eight-day event. By the time we've travelled up with the crew and the build-up and the prep and travelling back again, it's essentially two weeks away from home for the the core crew. And you really get that sense of kind of community within the team. So, yeah, it's a special event. And I think what's so different to the Dragon's Back, um, uh, although the headline might be very similar events, Dragon's Back's 380 kilometres, Cape Wrath is 400. You might be mistaken for thinking they're similar. They're not. Mm. Dragon's Back, you're going from one mountain summit to the next. You are literally the mountainous spine of Wales is what you're following. On the Cape Wrath Ultra, you are weaving between the mountains. You are taking the easiest line. But not easy. It's not easy, but you are taking the easiest journey from Fort William to Cape Wrath. And, And there's a aesthetic and beauty to just following the natural line through because it is a trail before it was a race yes. it is you know independently of uh, Cape Wrath Ultra it's Cape Wrath Trail yes so the Cape Wrath Trail um, has been around for what decades and it's a quite a low-key adventurous trail mm. it's actually a matrix of footpath choices so you can go up this glen or that glen and, Do, they, and were they are they kind of evolved because of the weather conditions and high lines for mm, avoiding flooding no or? i think that it's more to do with just the quality of the the, the route right i mean you can sometimes the differences in the options are huge I and mean, then you end up days apart oh wow and then they come back together yeah, yeah. and they go different ways <laughs> um so the cape wrath trail although there is a a kind of a broadly accepted norm, route, yeah. there, but there's lots of options. And when I came up with the idea of creating a race there, um, the first thing I did was go and walk the standard version of the Cape Wrath Trail and I had the most amazing two weeks walking with my wife, Heather. We backpacked the route and I always think backpacking is the way to recce something because mm. you go slowly, you get time to absorb and reflect. And I knew straight away that this could make an unbelievable mm. event. And I also love the idea of solving the logistical challenges of delivering the event. That's what I kind of get excited. I like to go where other organisers would dare not to go. That's, <laughs> that's, that's our, where we excel as a, as a team. Um, and uh, sorry, I lost my thread there. Uh, so w- once I'd done that initial recce, what I then spent about a year doing is all those other different options. I would go and I'd run them, and I'd go up and I'd run like day three, and I'd do it via this glen. Or that so you glen. were refining it. And this, the what I needed to know yeah. is like, is this route the best one, or am I going to go here? And there's some pretty fundamental choices you have to make, and that took quite a long time, but. Um, yeah, eventually we ended up with the route we got, and it's very close to the Cape Wrath Trail hiking route. Um, but it's it's a fantastic way to experience Scotland, and I would advocate anybody doing it. And I don't care if they do the event or they go and backpack it independently. Just go and go do, do it the Cape Wrath Trail. Really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you go you go quite close to Torridon, don't you? Yes, well? through Torridon. Through yeah. Torridon. So yeah. I've been to Torridon. Um, and that was, an, I'm really glad I'm going back because it was an area we passed through very briefly, me and my wife. And um, I think we had a, a lunch there. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, what a waste. Yeah, well, I wish we had more time there. Yeah, so the route goes um, behind Ben Egg and it's, it's amazingly spectacular. This is day four of the Cape Breath Ultra and 
I always, when I try to describe to people the challenges they might face on the events because of the extremes of the weather that mm. are possible, I always say to them, go and look at the 2022 day four video from Cape Wrath Ultra and understand I know what you mean. how bad the weather can be. The we- yeah, the rain. Because <laughs> yeah. the there's a hundred river crossings in this race. On oh, right. something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's Roughly, ma- yeah. masses. And the thing with Scotland is... Um, even the smallest burn, you know, metre-wide stream, can become uncrossable when it's in spate. Yeah. And um, we had that day in 2022, some of the uh, streams became uncrossable. And you can see people's trackers going further and further upstream, looking, looking for a route. place to cross. Yeah. Um, and we give the participants a very firm uh, briefing about how to manage river crossings as part of the event planning. Mm-hmm. We have masses of contingency planning. So every, every river crossing that we perceive as problematic has a contingency plan for how we can work around it if it okay. is uncrossable. Like an alternate route? Yeah, well, sometimes it's an alternate route. Sometimes it's cancel the event. Okay. Sometimes it's a reroute the day. But there is a plan for every one. And I guess that when, I, when we talked about being calm earlier, it's knowing that that plan is there allows you to be calm as an organiser. And we have pretty clear criteria for what constitutes whether we can and can't cross rivers. Right. And you can fall back to that. And I know with the hot weather on the Dragon's Back this year, um, after the first day, when we kind of do our end of day review, um, we weren't making up anything on the fly. We opened up our severe weather risk assessment yeah. and we looked at the pages about heat and we ran through it and it told us exactly what we needed to do. Um, and at that point, we introduced the 30-minute timeout at the support point. And then the following day, we added the 30-minute timeout at the water point and we were following a plan. Right. And that gives you, that gives you structure, allows you to be calm, and the, I guess the thing I was trying to achieve or balance as the, the race organiser at that point is it's whilst the hot weather was clearly making it impossible for some people, very hard for everybody, actually the majority were still getting the days done. And the, the temptation, if you're too, um, too risk averse, would just be to cancel the race or do a short course or something really drastic. And I felt very strongly that actually a high dropout rate ha- is, the, is what's going to happen if the weather's hot. It's the nature of that race though, isn't yeah. it? It's not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be easy. And I'm not going to organise races for the lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. There's lots of races you can go for that experience. Yeah. You come to Dragon's Back, or to be honest, a lot of my events, they're not easy. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing, though, and that's that's definitely one of my takeaways. I came away with three things that I need to improve because I want to go back and get my dragon. <laughs> so the three things I came away to improve, I, I, I figure I can I can be fitter. I, I was very, very fit. Fitness wasn't the problem. The heat was the thing that got me, mm. but fitness wasn't the problem. But I can improve my fitness. But I also know that on a wet and windy dragon's back, uh, those rocks on the first two days would have been very different. Yeah. And so I feel I can increase my rock climbing skills and then the third one was really navigation because we had beautiful blue skies and vistas I could see runners here there and everywhere I didn't have to rely on my map reading skills or devices too much mm. but all those can change mm. so no matter what the weather it's going to be a very difficult you know you can hope for this weather or hope for that weather but it's going to be a difficult race so I, I still don't think we've had a, a truly difficult dragon's back because the hot weather it does make it does make it hard of course but you can see, so navigating, even so if you're just easier. following your watch, yeah. is easy. And just imagine a week of Cape Wrath Day 4 weather from 2022, low cloud, wind and rain. And all of a sudden you're in the mountains and you're in the clag. And even if you're following a GPS, it's hard. Yeah, because you and don't know if that metre or two metres being out of alignment is yeah. the edge of a cliff or not. Yeah. You know? Um, I have visions of me on top <laughs> on the side of Trafan, clinging on in clag, wondering if I'm going the right way and just stepping over people. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm fully aware that while this year's event presented a lot of difficulties, there's no guarantee it will be like that next time or, or the year after when I do it. But it could, it it will undoubtedly present a whole new element of ch- which I need to be ready for. Mm. So the experience of the race has given me the, the the kick up the backside. If that race had got easier, and 
I would have completed it because the race adapted to, to the level of the runners, should we say. Um, the impetus for me to change and to grow and to learn new skills wouldn't have been there because it would have got comfortable and cosy and yeah. wrapped around me. Well, I, I very strongly believe that if you're going to have an adventure, you need to have uncertainty and jeopardy. And the jeopardy doesn't need to be you know, real risk, mm. um, but a degree of risk and different, you know, in my personal running challenges away from organised events, I will ratchet up that jeopardy quite a lot. Um, but the Dragon's Back has, has risk, has adventure, has jeopardy, has all of those ingredients for a quite profound experience. And yeah, I'll back that. <laughs> that is what makes it special. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. It, 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 it is, I was chatting with um, uh, Ben and Laura, who, who mm-hmm. were on the Dragon's Back with us this year, and um, yeah, it, it's indelibly marked all of us. Um, and loads of people that I've spoken to, and Tris as well, um, over the past sort of three, three months, so many people have suddenly like, oh my god, it's on my bucket list now. It's the issue one. So it's um, it's been interesting to see everybody kind of getting involved, especially from the you know we see face to face. We see people in Cornwall all the time, but yeah. we get to meet people from all over the world with this stuff. So it's been interesting to see how many people have gone. Oh, yeah, what so is we, this race? from from our point of view as the organizer, we like follow the website stats on like unique users to the site, mm. and in the last twelve months, they've just gone off the scale oh fantastic um, and they're very international so yeah. I think I probably got slightly wrong but I think we're on 1.7 million unique visitors wow. to the Dragon's Back website for 2023 from about 100 different countries wow so there's a lot of people out there going maybe what one is day, this Dragon's Back thing yeah, yeah. How, how do I get there and <laughs> I think that's really quite cool isn't it yeah that's I'm, very I'm, cool. I'm really happy about that yeah well, and, and you know everybody that's ever taken part in that will have an element of pride I guess in mm. that, that this race has now grown under your, yeah. your guidance into this this, this mammoth but um, <laughs> it can only grow so far can't it because yeah, of the logistics and everything so yeah I, it can certainly so this year 298 on the start line I think mm. 300 people um, it can certainly probably go to 500 without changing anything mm. and beyond that you'd need to make some important decisions about how your logistics work and also ethos and culture and experience for participants yeah. and I, I mean, i'll cross that bridge when i get to it but we're we're a long way from that at the moment so long by sounds wow um so we should probably explain a little bit more about Cape Rathen. So it starts in Fort William. Yes. Uh, it starts at the end of May. So obviously from every piece of footage I've seen on this, which is now, you know, my number one hit on YouTube, <laughs> Cape Rath Ultra. Um, midges are, are one thing that, com- that comes into this. So, the, the wee bitey things. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Scotland, particularly, you know, those summer months is renowned for midges. Um we chose May because that's one of the least midgy months mm-hmm. of the year. The good thing about midges is they are very um, uh, susceptible to even the slightest breeze. Yeah, so, they're not known for like strong headwinds, no, so are they? They're I, gone. I think you only, I'm going to get the number wrong, but it's about four or five miles an hour of wind and they can't fly. Yeah. So even the most gentle breeze, they disappear. And our experience over many years now is that maybe some mornings, some evenings, you might get midges for an hour or so, yeah. but when you have that lull in the weather, but, and then you don't see them for the rest of the And day. that is, they tend to just be morning and night creatures, yeah. don't they? Yeah. And, and they're gone. And you just have to have a midge net, not a yeah. mosquito net, a midge net, put some insect repellent on, they're not that bad. And actually, I would say eight days out of 10, across all the many years of Cape Wrath Ultra, have no midges. Okay. But when they are bad, you know about it. Oh, it's so like just, a fog. It's yeah. a fog. You just need to come prepared for the worst case yeah. and then be pleasantly surprised when it's not <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I'm very lucky. I don't tend to respond to midge bites. It's too You've badly. just not had enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the last time I did the... We were just talking about it. We'd just done a, a social run down here in Cornwall, uh, which you came along to. And um, one of the chaps is doing the uh, West Island Way next year. And he, we were talking about midges there. And... Um, I hiked it with my wife and two friends mm-hmm. and of the four of us, two received over over 200 bites, I think we were in counting. 
and and the other two of us received like ten. Oh wow! So, okay. but I, 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 a Royal Marine pal of mine in Trista that everybody he did jungle training in Belize, mm-hmm. and uh, the virologist guy that they had out there basically said everyone gets bitten, but everyone reacts in a different way. So we all get bitten by them, right? And mosquitoes, but we all react in a different ways. So you know, if there's somebody out there who's more of an expert, let us know. But um, so so the midges are, are, are inevitable uh, in, in in a way because of the terrain and the time of year and everything else, but they're not the big deal. Um, so we start in Fort William. We catch a ferry across to do the start. Two little landing craft type ferries. Yeah, journeys. so we ferry people across in in kind of waves. Um, is it Kamazagile the start? I'm testing my own knowledge now. <laughs> should have should have done some revision. You're, you're ahead of me. I'm not there yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you go across Loch Linny from Fort William, and you walk down the road for a couple hundred meters. This is a lovely village hall, and people gather there, and then we start the race. And in many ways, day one is a prelude. It's, what is it, 37 kilometres? It's something like that. Yeah, it's a low mileage day. It's a low mileage day. It's it's at very good tracks. um, And, you know, it's a bit of an easy start for everybody. before the storm. But you get storm on day two because day two you go into Noidart. And Noidart is one of those wilderness areas of Scotland. And there is no warning. You come out of the day one camp, you got this lovely glen on a great track... (laughs) And the track slowly peters out, peters out, and eventually you end up in this incredibly remote terrain and area. The only access is by boat, <laughs> and we have to hire a couple of boats for our safety team oh, wow. to work from. And they always do a number of boat extractions every year. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, and the terrain um, is just really rough, and okay. people always underestimate the last 10k of the day. It's along the shores of Loch Horn to Kinloch Horn and this amazing overnight camp. Kinloch Horn is at the end of the UK's longest dead end single track road. It's about 20 miles oh, wow. of single track to a dead end. And we're in this field <laughs> by the beach there. Um, it's an incredible, it's a truly incredible spot. But that the last 10k along the lock, you look on the map and it just—it looks like nothing. It's a, there's a trail marked on the ground, slight undulations, and then when you get there, you realise you're climbing and falling and climbing and falling along the coast all the time, and this path is this kind of bouldery. This is starting to sound like the arc of attrition. Yeah, there? it is. It's very similar to some of the arc yeah. of attrition. Because again, stuff. you look at that on a map and go, "Well, that's not too bad. Yeah. The elevation isn't terrible." Exactly. But the reality is, stop, start, energy yeah. loss, energy yeah, gain. Yeah. yeah. Um, so day two is a real shakeout for the team, for okay. everybody, for the participants. Um, but you go into the heart of some amazing wilderness area, and it's the great thing about it. It's Munro's on the coast, mm. so the scenery the is views. off the scale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so day, okay, make, That's day two. Note, day two. <laughs> so the boat extractions on day two. Then what are they down to? What are they due to? Typically, it's generally people who have come to the event carrying an injury, right? Um, or they have fundamentally misunderstood and the nature, the nature of the event, and overestimated their abilities. Okay. Get a small number of people like that. Normally one or two every year. Mm. It, it's the nature of what happens. That's one of the reasons we have a professional response team. We, I, I feel we have a responsibility if we're sending people out into terrain like that, that you need to have some capability of mopping up when yeah. things don't go according to plan. So, yeah, it's... Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it, we have had some dramas there. We've had a few broken limbs over the years. Um uh, I'm just trying to think about medical confidentiality. I probably won't share that story. <laughs> but we've had a few. We've had a few interesting episodes okay. in Oidar <laughs> over the years. But then they build into your experience bank, don't they? So you, yeah. you kind of once they're dealt with, you know how to deal with them, etc. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But it's a brilliant spot. Um, it's really special. Really special place. Is that the one with the Harry Potter railway? So the overnight camp at the end of day one, right? Start of day two. That That's is Harry Potter. Um, uh, Glen Finnan, yes, that's yeah. the Harry Potter railway. Okay, I've seen a lot of footage of people taking pictures <laughs> of that. Um, so, day three. So, day three, you go to your highest point, you go over this coal of the saddle, mm-hmm. um, and you have a kind of from the camp, you know, steady climb up to almost 900 meters, 800 meters, or 800 meters, um, drop into Glen Shiel. Uh, and then you go on this incredibly remote section going, uh, do you go Falls of Glomac, Malvui, Bothy, um, to end up at 
layer croft old mashalak um that last section the last 20 30k are very very remote <clears throat> and um it's an incredible yeah an incredible spot again and i think sometimes when we listen to participants talking about their Cape Wrath experience they say oh it's it's so rough it's so boggy and you know it's you, know, you can't run on it and in actual fact the route's 400 kilometers the the un the kind of pathless sections are about I don't know three three percent of the route oh wow and um, yeah, it's so memorable in that. But it's memorable. Three percent of four hundred yeah, kilometers. That's really selective. It's still quite a lot. <laughs> and when you're slogging over a couple of k through some yeah. bog, you remember those Burns bits. into your mind. And one it? of those sections is kind of going round the back of, uh, or just beyond Malvi with Boffy. It's a so it's a tough old finish to the day. Um, we finish with a river crossing 100 metres before, a big river crossing before the overnight camp. <laughs> That's good, at least you're clean. You're clean, you, yeah, you are clean. Um, yeah, it's, an, it's another, that's one of our, lo- it's not the longest day, so it's 72 kilometres or something. I'm doing all of this from memory, just so I'm not looking at a map at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's a big, it's a big, big day, yeah. um, but there's some very runnable sections in it. You just need to crack on. <laughs> but these things are, they ebb and flow, don't they? You have sections where you can move well and the sections where you can't yeah. move as well. But it's, it's all about the rough and the smooth, isn't it? Literally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, as long as you can remember some astonishing views and, and you know, mm-hmm. all that, as well as all the, the bad stuff, you know, you yeah. balance it all out. So yeah, then day four, you go through Corrie Lair, which is, day four is our shortest day. It's rounded okay. and kind of mid thirties again. Um, you go through Corrie Lair, which is this stunningly beautiful um, glen, uh, Torridon Car Park, and then round the back of um, Ben A. And this section round the back of Ben A just absolutely lulls you into this full <laughs> sense of security. You start off on this brilliant path, like a really well-maintained man, <laughs> well man-made path, and you quickly disappear up into the mountains. And then the path just peters out. And at first of all, it becomes, you know, rocky, and then it just disappears. Nothing. And you've got a couple of kilometres over some very rough, bouldery terrain before you rejoin the next path. Um, and this is actually the established Cape Wrath Trail as well. Oh, it's not wow. something I've dreamt yeah, up yeah. to make it hard. <laughs> this is the route. Um, uh, but it's everyone underestimates that. And although it's still a short day and most people get into camp earlier than normal, mm. and everyone is like, oh, wow, that was really hard. Short but memorable. Short but memorable. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so day five. Um, so day five we're it's going... like a game of Mr and Mrs with your races <laughs> <laughs> so day five we're going to Inverleal um, and let me just remember the route so you go through the fish field so the fish field is fish field fisher field, fisher field. so this is the area north of Torridon and it's incredibly beautiful I mean it's just just draw dropping this beautiful. is the granite is this the day we run up through the, the granite kind of canyons of it all? Which um, grey and kind of very yeah, there monumental. Are s- there's some areas that could fit that description. Yeah. Um, it's just this. You just have these amazing open vistas, these very flat, mm. wide glens, and then these Munros that just as individual monoliths tower out of the ground. Yeah. They're kind of something like you'd see in Lord of the Rings. This, yeah, this is the visuals that I have in my mind yeah. from some of the and films I've watched. It, yeah. It's right. That is exactly what it's like. Again, very, very remote um, area. You go um, kind of near uh, Anchelac, near very famous Bothy, Chenaval. Um, and eventually, little through little our uh, kind of it's not a support point, but our man checkpoint on the road over another little hill and drop into Invaliel. Um And yeah, it's um it's a, it's a, another good day, another hard day. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> and then from there, I mean, I, I remember watching the I can never remember his name, but I need to um, film my trail run, uh, and, the Irish chap. Stephen, no, uh, no, that's the other one from my run. So, so um, we are going to interview him uh, yeah. in the in the build up to to the race. But he did a wonderful film on film film my trail run on YouTube. And um, on day five, it was the day I, I remember wriggling in my seat while I'm watching this, going, "Oh, okay, 
I, I need to, this is looking a bit more serious mm. than I envisaged. So I really need to start to absorb this information. The, the visuals on that day were the ones that looked so brutal that I kind of went, yeah, you're, you're out in the wilds here. You yeah. are, there's, there's not much around. You are on your own. Don't fuck up. Yeah. Basically is what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, there, we always have a plan for how to deal with those moments. Um, and we have, and go back to the response team. So we go all the way back to the beginning of the business. We, I was very aware that we're putting participants in some pretty wild and remote places. Uh, I have a background as a mountain rescue team volunteer. I, I know the pressure you can put onto a local rescue team if mm. you are reliant on them to do all of your mopping up. And sadly, that is how most events work. Although granted, very few events are able to operate at the scale we are able to operate now in terms yeah. of being able to run a professional team. But we always think about what happens if someone has an accident here, 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 and we have a huge amount of contingency planning. I think there's only two estates on the entire Cape Wrath Trail that haven't haven't granted us four by four access into the estates. Oh, okay. there's, there's, I think it's two that don't want us in. That's their prerogative. Um, but pretty much every other estate is like, no problem. These are the keys. This is how you access the estate. So we've always got a plan for how we yeah. can extract people from, from the course, albeit we, we've done that on a couple of occasions from remote places. And it takes so long for, to do the extraction for the participants to catch up with the event. They miss an entire day. Oh, wow. That's, how, that's the time scales. It's like a 16-hour rescue. So don't fuck up, basically. <laughs> no, don't fuck okay. up. That's, that's, I'll put that on my notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Um, We've done day five. <laughs> day five. Remember day five, Joe. Uh, day six. Day six. So um, you leave Inverleel and you've got... Uh, you go over the mountain, through the forest, over the mountain. Got the the river crossing, the probably one of our most troublesome river crossings. And I can't remember the name of the river now. It will come to me. Uh, but essentially, you're heading to the salmon fishing river around Benmore Asant and into. Oh, I can't. I can see you visualizing. I'm literally visualizing yeah. it. So I can visualize it. Uh, I need more coffee. <laughs> the, the river crossing is interesting. So this is about 10k into um, uh, into the course. And when Heather and I were doing our recce, we got to this river crossing at Thanks for the Coffee. We are literally <laughs> having more coffee. It's a very Christmassy festive episode. Um, so we got to this river at dusk. It had been raining all day. And we had a maybe... Th- 25 30 meter wide raging torrent um and we had to make a decision about do we stop here in this bog and stop or go backwards or do we cross we decided to cross and heather isn't still never forgiven for that decision to cross that river <laughs> i don't know it sounds better than a bog <laughs> well it was pretty wild yeah it's pretty wild um so once you cross the river you pick up this great track um you go past the schoolhouse boffy you've got this very very long uh, like vehicle track that is quick you cover a lot of ground quickly um on it is it onic oikel onic bridge no oikel bridge hotel oikel bridge hotel i think that's the name of the hotel at the end of this valley um this is oikel river it's famous salmon salmon and we stay there for the night no 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 no, not at all um (laughs) that's that's the end of like the first half of the day and then it gets remote again to go over the saddle between conneval and ben morris and there's a slightly different mountain name i can't remember and then drop down to our overnight camp, which is at... I cannot remember the name of the place. Right, OK, I'm going to cheat. I'm opening <laughs> up going my phone. To the books. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm going to open up the map from the race. Then I can... I feel a little embarrassed that I've forgotten all of these things. So I'm actually opening up the race map from 2023. So, unlike... Dragon's Back. Inchnadamp. Inchnadamp. That is what, what I'm looking name. for. Sorry. Inchnadamp. Yes. So the course doesn't change like Dragon's Back. Every year it's the same. So yeah, every... Well, in Dragon's Back, we only... We don't want to intentionally change the course. Okay. So 
Uh, although I am about to change the course, so a bit of a headline, a bit of a news story for everyone there. Um, we haven't changed the Cape Wrath course in any substantive way since we started it. Um, we don't want to change the courses unless there is a requirement. But as an example, with the Dragon's Back race, we deal with hundreds of landowners mm. and they range from um, you know, National Trust for Wales, biggest probably a landowner as an individual entity, all the way down to you know a farm mr jones yeah. whose farmyard we go through and the level of consultation varies enormously but the people we consult with that race is in the hundreds okay and sometimes you even if you might have might be using a public right of way you might come across a landowner that really doesn't want you to go through this field or that field and they their reasons might be unreasonable or they might be reasonable yeah. but you make a decision as a race organizer do I fight this one or do I change how important is it to me um, you know how big there's a big picture to think about and with all of those consultations there's always something that changes every year so some of the wrinkles in the well, I guess the landowners may change as well uh, yeah they do yeah. so some of the wrinkles the changes come from those consultations but for we're on the dragons back now but for 2024 we are going to tweak day two um, it will um, we're going to go to one or two less summits I'm going to straighten out the course a little bit I thought you were going to say one or two more I have to say. no well to believe me that was my first instinct <laughs> um, as a first choice <laughs> uh, we're going to take a more direct route through the Mulwins okay uh, sorry not the Mulwins the Rinogs Rinogs um, so those we're hoping to announce those changes formally in uh, we were hoping to do it by the end of January so soon yeah um, and then day three, are we going to straighten up the course through the um, Hendra, the Terrans, there's Terran Hendra and Terran Gasile. Okay. So just make that a little bit more logical. So day two will be about the same yeah. um, because although we go to less summits, the train is probably more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, day three will be easier slightly. Oh, okay. Um, and I think it just makes the route a little bit more logical. Um, and it's you know the race is so hard we don't need to add in difficulty to it pointless hills yeah yeah, yeah. okay so I, I, I deflected you there yeah so we're, 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 <laughs> so day, we're seven. day seven so day seven's actually my favourite day of Cape Wrath because it gets the feeling that it, it's kind of no I won't spoil it actually day, day seven and day eight are very very different aren't they they are very very different so day seven is in some respects your last wilderness day it's kind of what i was going to say it's that it's 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 the last chance to really fuck things up i guess yes yeah i mean you would struggle not to finish if you've got it does happen but if you've got days one to seven done you'd get day eight done however hard it, it was very very bad not to yeah, so um, you have this amazing uh, landscape that you go north of Inchna Damp and you're kind of weaving through this rocky, again, Lord of the Rings-esque landscape and you drop down to um, Glencool Bothy uh, over another hill, Glendu Bothy, and these are the end of these big sea locks and you've got, again, Munros, you know, 1,000-metre hills, but you're down at sea level and you're kind of weaving through this terrain and it's um yeah it's just it's just absolutely breathtaking um and essentially you're weaving through this remote terrain and you're heading to Kinloch Burvey Kinloch Burvey is um a small town and we have a campsite on the school playing field and it's the last stop off before day eight and you know the spirit in the camp is pretty good by this point yeah i was going to say i mean that's like the 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 eighth eighth day is almost the parade lap isn't it it's like the the tour de france final day in paris it is a little like that i mean it's still i think it's 30 odd k or something and you've still accumulated a lot of miles in your legs so although it's a short day it's on top of a lot of running and it's on it's on some rough ground so you're down the road for a short distance you go to sandwood bay which which is the famous beach famous beach and you know, it's it's regarded as one of the most beautiful beaches in Scotland, in mm-hmm. the UK, the world. And you get there and you're like, yeah, it is, it is quite amazing. <laughs> and there's everything else here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you go over, you go through the Cape Wrath firing range. And this is, we're back to some very rough terrain. So the last 10K or so, it's like, really? They made me do this? <laughs> um, and then you get to Cape Wrath. And then, so we'll go back to the original event concept here. You're 18 kilometres from the mainland when you're at Cape Wrath Lighthouse. Oh, okay. So people 
so, of course, yeah. It's connected, it's a peninsula, peninsula but yeah. with no road access. Yeah. And my original version of Cape Wrath would be Cape Wrath as your final checkpoint and then make everybody run back to the mainland. <laughs> but on reflection, we decided that was just enough. The, the, the race has to finish at the lighthouse and actually we need to solve the logistic problem of how they get getting everybody yeah. off. So there's this 18, 18 kilometre track which uh, there's a minibus service that is run and Shuttles, they, yeah. yeah shuttle people the the local the locals ferry minibuses across on barges <laughs> across this inlet um and and it says something like you know it's an hour and a half to do 18k in the minibus and you're like really <laughs> that that can't be right and it's single track very few passing places yeah. um but this track is so dilapidated it's just potholes after and pothole. yeah. minibuses have to crawl along at like five miles an hour and it does oh. take you know the hour and a half to do 18k and because there's so few passing places we need to get extra minibuses across on the barges the day before yeah and get them all so to cape wrath pre-positioned so that we can then get people moving and there's a real tight System it's like running schedule. a railway. It is a bit like that, yeah. and all as the race organizer, all of these logistics are happening. You know, two two days in front of yeah. your, your day. So I'll be on you know day <laughs> six talking to you about this, but my mind's on day eight and yeah. sorting out those. Well, not sorting, but finalizing. Sure yeah, yeah, finalizing those logistics. <laughs> oh well, I fully intend to finish. Good. <laughs> um, I, I remember talking to two Dutch guys at Penny Pass, which is where I finished my Dragon's Back, and and they'd done Cape Wrath, and they said if you if you got this far today, you can do Cape Wrath, and I remember somewhere in the back of my mind going, oh, Cape Cape Wrath sounds easier, but then Cape Wrath in my mind became somehow corrupted to easy. And then I started researching it more and went, oh, no, it, it's, it's easy, but it's not easy. And I think it was yes. that shot on day five that really drove it home. It was just the visuals of that particular film. Day, day one, two, three, four were, were beautiful, but, but not, not presented in a way that made me sit up in my seat and go, mm. holy crap. Yeah, this is actually some serious terrain we're going through here. It is serious, and I think that's exactly the right way. It is easier, I th- I think, than well, the majority of people think than Dragon's Back, mm. but it is not easy. It's a four hundred kilometer race. They're not easy. No. <laughs> it's just just yeah, it's grades, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, huh, So yeah, we have five months. So I'm I'm firmly in the middle of my training plan at the moment. Um, how how is the training going? What was it? good actually? I, I found that with when I was getting ready for Dragon's Back, I found that I was hitting a volume level that I was at the high end of mileage for me, but but very comfortable with it. And so I'm hitting my plan is to hit my mileage levels earlier this year and to sustain them for slightly longer in preparation for Cape mm-hmm. Wrath. Um, so it's it's all going well. It's kind of Christmas is that that blip, isn't it, where things become harder to get out there and I'm being pragmatic about it this year because I do, still do have five months to go mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm enjoying Christmas a little bit more because I'm normally doing the arc in some guise well, it's good that you mentioned the arc because that is an event that is on your my radar. radar for a while <laughs> it sounds fantastic and I've got some friends who took part this year and they did rave about it oh, it's a wonderful race so I'm, it's firmly on my radar and being from Cornwall originally I think it would I'm be amazed incredible. you haven't done it I know well I, 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 I'm pretty confident I have actually run the entire route at, at some, times yeah, in bits yeah uh, and I know I know how good and hard it would be and I would definitely like to take part so I've got that on my little mental tick list now 2025 maybe <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange because I mean we've covered it on the podcast a lot and obviously Tris has podium twice mm. um it's it's got so much it's it's one of those uh lives in a day kind of races you know it's so much happens in such a short period of time it's a day and a half maximum yeah um but it's such a varied course there's so Mm. many different elements to it which some people will love some people will hate some people will excel some people will struggle um, but it's just got a little it's got enough variety to to still be interesting Mm. and it's still like you said it's in its own, that section of the coast path, because it is just the coast path, you know, that section of the coast path is uh, joyous to run anyway, yeah. whether you're in the race or not. It's just something that we want to go out and do. 
So the fact that it becomes a collective adventure where you all go out and do it and this where um yeah, it's it's just it's such a part of the local community. I, I love the arc. Um, well, I'm and, hoping and, to be able yeah. to take part at some point. And I, would, I guess I would say for people who have not done the race who, or who are not from Cornwall, is that Cornish coastal footpath it can be brutal. Oh god, yeah. And it's up down, up down, up down, and it's rough like a mountain path. Not, it's not. I don't know, like a Dorset nice wide. No, it's, it's, it's there's potential death in a few places. Yeah, there would be. It's, um, yeah. And some of the ones that you go through, you go through in the race at night and you can hear the sea. And then when you're local and you go through it in the daytime, you, you, you're quite glad it's dark when you go through <laughs> on the race because you don't want to see what's down there. There's some real gotchas on that course. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's very different. And people from the Fells and your neck of the woods, where you are now, um, they've come down and then it's Kim Collison yeah. and... Um, uh, Mark Derbyshire, yeah. uh, Ellis Bland, yeah. uh, Gavin Dale, they've all come down and done really well. Yeah, well, they're so, all very strong runners. They're they used are. to the mountains and very transparent. That's the thing. Mark Derbyshire famously fell over on um, uh, a sleeping policeman in Courmayeur on a UTMB one year right. after just coming off a really tough mountain section. And, and it's one of those things on, on the arc where you, you can't afford to switch off even on the easy stuff. Mm. It'll still get you. Um, never ending Shane we have unfortunately run out of time again I could do this all day um, it's been a pleasure we've done this in person which is lovely yeah it's great uh, you're in Cornwall so we, we found the time um, and yeah thank you for enlightening us about Kate Rath would you um, we'd love to have you on again I'd love to come back and, and it's great we'll, to we'll do some more um, <laughs> and it's awesome. great to go out with some of the local runners yeah we just had a social run around, really around cool. my local valleys which yeah. is a lovely place to run and train so um, yeah I'm glad we could share that with you brilliant thank you for inviting me awesome thanks mate have a good new year thank you we're handshaking just for the the audience the radio among us um right thank you very much for listening everyone and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you soon take care thank you for listening to this episode of the trail and error podcast if you enjoyed it don't forget to like subscribe and most important of all share it with your friends and your family also If you have any guest suggestions or suggestions for features that you would like to see on the Trail and Error podcast, please get in touch with us via our social media channels at trail underscore and underscore error underscore UK. It makes more sense when it's written down, I promise you. Oh, and we're on Facebook too. See you next time. Thanks for listening.